Now we're studying Psalm chapter number three. I know I didn't read any Psalms yesterday, but we're looking at the background for why David wrote Psalm chapter three, the third Psalm, and why he was having to flee from Absalom at all in the first place. What happened there? Now, so far we've looked at that break in the relationship, why that happened. We've seen that uh, Absalom should have forgiven his dad. Dad, David should have forgiven Absalom. Uh, but but they don't. Now, they do uh, sort of, in a way, make up here at the end of 2 Samuel 14. So it says, uh, 2 Samuel 14, 33. So Joab, that's David's military man, came to the king and told him. And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. And so he's good now. They have They have made up, we think... But we're going to see that Absalom in his heart never really forgives. He never really moves on. He is disloyal to his father. And much more than that, he's disloyal to God's anointed, the king over Israel. Now, Absalom, we didn't read it yesterday, but there's a verse here in chapter 14, verse 25. It says, but in all Israel, there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. Now, if this was Absalom telling me how he looked, I'd say, okay, (laughs) Absalom, so you say, good for you, buddy. But this is the word of God. And the word of God is telling us here that Absalom was, I'll use the Bible word, he had beauty. He was a pretty boy. He had a full head of hair. Every year, once a year, he cut it. So in the meantime, he was a pretty boy with long hair and heavy hair, thick hair, and he had no zits. It says there was no blemish. That's what that means in the Bible. And uh, he was in his his 20s there, and uh, he was very influential. And I'm going to read you some verses here at the beginning of chapter 15, and Lord willing, I'll be able to read you Psalm 3, but I'm setting this up here to make Psalm 3 mean even more to us once we understand the context of where David was coming from. So verse one of chapter 15, and it came to pass after this, that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause may come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And the beginning of verse seven says this, it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. It was 40 years that Absalom sits at the gate of the city and one by one steals the heart of the individuals of the kingdom of Israel from the King David 
and turns hearts one by one unto Absalom himself. Today, if you use the name Absalom to refer to somebody, you're saying that that is a no good, dirty, backstabbing scoundrel. (laughs) Okay, that's what you're saying. Uh, Or I guess you're saying he's a pretty boy. But Absalom in the Bible is, is somebody who was very disloyal, but subtly. 40 years, y'all, is a long time. And he sat right there at the gate and everybody that would listen, he would say, oh man, if only I were the judge in Israel, if only I were the leader in Israel, our king, bless his heart, he's doing the best he can, but really I know better than the king. Uh, I could tell you some stories, but uh, that, that is an unwise, foolish thing to do. Uh, you should turn the hearts of children to their parents. You should turn the hearts of people in a church to their pastor. Uh, in your job, you should not be the one who's talking about how you would do it better than the boss. It's just an unwise thing to do. And Absalom did it. Absalom was bitter. He was a, a hateful brat. <laughs> he, was a, he was quite a grown man now in his 60s. But after 40 years, uh, he finally makes his move. And here's what he does. I really want to get to Psalm 3. What he does is he makes this whole conspiracy. That's a Bible word, a conspiracy, whereby he would take over the kingdom of Israel. Now, he's been chipping away at it for 40 years, but little by little, really subtly. And so he asked David, I need to go. I need to run an errand. It's been 40 years. I need to go do this one thing. And verse 10 of 2 Samuel 15, it says, But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity and they knew not anything. So I'll, I'll just, there, there's a lot of story here. I'll just tell you what happened. So, so these people went all throughout the capital city of Israel, Jerusalem. And whenever this trumpet sounded, they all said, Absalom reigneth. Absalom is the king. Absalom is the man. And so that happened. It was an uproar, an instant uproar in the city. And one by one, the men's hearts had been turned from David to Absalom, subtly by Absalom. And so David has to flee. And he does. He flees out of Jerusalem. He's, he's not a young man anymore, but he flees out of Jerusalem and only the ultra loyal abide with him. But the kingdom is Absalom's in, in just an instant, the kingdom is turned from David unto David's son, Absalom. And just to add insult to injury, uh, as we read over the next couple of chapters, Ziba, Mephibosheth's servant. And if you know the story of Mephibosheth, he was Jonathan's son. Jonathan was the son of Saul. And David had shown Mephibosheth, a crippled young man, a crippled boy, kindness for Jonathan's sake, for uh, not for Saul's sake, but yet he was the grandson of Saul, the man who had tried to kill David before. And he had been very kind to him, given him a seat at his own table, the king's table, young Mephibosheth. And Ziba, comes along who was Mephibosheth's main servant and says, hey, Mephibosheth, he's against you. He's excited to, that, that the kingdom is turned away from you. We'll see later on that that wasn't true. But that's what David believes at the time. 
Another man comes along throwing rocks at David as he's as he's fleeing, as he's got his group with him, the, the several men with him that are loyal to David, throwing rocks, saying, curse David. And David does not allow Abishai to kill Shimei. But Shimei, we'll see a couple chapters later. He's a pretty great man. He has a thousand men with him when he comes to apologize later. But at the time, what it seems like is everyone is against David. David is hiding in caves. He's hiding here and there. He's trying to keep it quiet. David will hear that Absalom, that dirty, rotten scoundrel, he has defiled David's concubines on top of David's house in the sight of all Israel, just as a power move. I mean, Absalom is a sick puppy. He is full of himself. He's full of pride. He is a wicked, wicked man. And, you know, you could argue again, David shouldn't have had concubines. But regardless, uh, Absalom has turned all of the kingdom against David. And David loves Absalom. You picture David in the cave. He loves Absalom. He doesn't know what to pray. He doesn't want Absalom to die. We'll see that later. Uh, when Absalom does die, David mourns like crazy. He's, he's tore up about it. But he doesn't want Absalom to die. And yet he knows that Absalom is his enemy. Um, Ahithophel, they're, they're trying to kill David. He's fleeing for his life. He's on the run. He's hiding in caves. He's totally brokenhearted. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what the future will hold. He's totally betrayed. And he writes, now listen, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. David had no one to turn to, but he had the Lord. And you might feel today like you have no one to turn to. You didn't deserve what's happening to you. You don't even know what to pray for. But you can always turn to the Lord. Tomorrow we'll get into Psalm chapter 3. I believe I'm done telling you the background of Psalm 3, and we'll get into the meat of this chapter. But be encouraged that when it seems like no one else will listen, the Lord will always listen. Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. Please bless the listener. Give them a great day in the Lord. Help them to be encouraged that you will always lend them an eager listening ear. No matter what they're going through, no matter who else is willing to listen, you always will. In Jesus' name, amen.